All right. So good morning, Janice. Um, I thought what we would do is we would start out by introducing ourselves just briefly for people who don't know us. Um, so would you like to go first? That'd be great. I'm Janice Ernest, and I've been doing a series of blogs with Mickey Brown, Creative Life Coach Mickey Brown, and I'm a publishing mercenary. So what I do is I publish my own works as well as helping others to find success in publishing their work. And to do that, I help them set up their uh, – I help them everything, it's from websites to uh, setting up their promotional kits to uh, helping them edit their books, anything basically that they need to do that will help them to be more successful in their writing career. That's me in a nutshell. Would you like to give people your uh, website or contact information? Sure. I can be contacted at www.janiceernest.com or my email is janiceernest1, and that's J-A-N-I-C-E-E-R-N-E-S-T-1 at gmail.com. And I'm always willing to talk with someone. I always want to hear what's going on with you and your writing career. What kind of hurdles are you hitting? Um, between Nikki and myself, I feel like we can probably find answers for you. So I'm excited to be here today. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, me too. I am really excited about this time just to have a conversation with Janice. And we don't even really know what we're going to say yet, but it's going to be good. <laughs> and so I'm Nikki Brown. I'm, uh, as Janice said, I'm a creative life coach. I work with writers and other creative thinkers to help them become the hero of their own story. And you can find out more about me at Coach Nikki B, that's C-O-A-C-H-N-I-K-K-I-B as in brown, dot com. And you can email me there or find out whatever you want to know about me there. So today Janice and I are going to be having a conversation about um, the, that, that has sprung out of some blog articles that we've written together over the past few weeks. I've been calling it the Right Foundation series, W-R-I-T-E, Right Foundation, because these are things that typically, um, when you go to writing conferences or look at writing sites, you see all kinds of wonderful information out there, but sometimes some of the really foundational pieces about who you are as a person and how you view life and how you look at success, those things are often missing from writing conversations. So today, Janice and I are going to have a conversation around some of these things, and we hope it will be really helpful and informational, maybe entertaining to you, our listener. How does that sound, Janice? It sounds awesome to me. I'm ready to get going on this. (laughs) And I agree with you that there are... uh, There's so much good information out there, but sometimes that information is above your grasp. You're not ready for that information. It's good information. It's things that need to be noted. But to get to that point from where you are, that's a different journey. So being the hero of your own journey is where it all comes in. That's where you have to set the foundations. You get in there, and you then can get to achieve those goals that you want to achieve. So I'm excited for us to talk about it. Let's go. Me too. Okay. And I think the key about it being a journey is is really important, you know, because I think some people expect that 
uh, it's all just going to happen automatically or that, you know, that it's not a process, it's just some magical <laughs> thing that happens, that, like you build it and they will come attitude. Have you seen that a lot, Janice? Build a dreams attitude happens a lot. And, you know, building success is like playing Tetris or Candy Crush on the computer. And the reason it's like that is, I don't know if you've ever played Tetris, Nikki, but when you play Tetris, you're building a line across the bottom of the computer. Every time you complete a line, that line disappears. And it leaves you more space from the top of the screen down to where your play level is. So as objects fall from the top of the screen, you can decide, you have more time to decide where to move them, how to motivate them, so that you can complete more lines at the bottom. If you just start, and those first two lines, you've written a book. So that's the first two blocks on that bottom line. And then you come from writing the book, and now you're like, okay, what do I do? I'm going to join an organization. That's another four, okay? So you've now got that much of a line, but you've got to complete that line with the last two. And the last two pieces are going to be, where do I go from here? What do I do from here? Now, you can either wish for the good fairy of, of blocks. It's going to drop the right-shaped block into that right-shaped hole and take that line away. Or you can sit there and hold on to what you have and watch the blocks fall from the top, do nothing to manipulate them, do, take no action. And what will happen is those blocks will build, but there will be holes in every line. So what, when the blocks reach the top of the screen, your game is over. Okay, so for every, every minute that you take thinking about setting up your success, you gain an hour in time. So you can play longer. So if success is a game, you can play longer simply by planning, establishing, thinking, and turning the blocks, the decisions that come at you, in a different direction so that they fit. And the more lines you can take off at once, if you can fulfill four lines at one time, that triples your score in Tetris. In life, it triples your score. The more blocks you can set in place and have prepared, they disappear, it lowers down, and gives you more room to think about the things to come. So I don't know if you've ever played Tetris, but if anybody out there has, you know what I'm talking about. It's set up so Actually, that the one line of cues is completed. And if, and if that disappears, then you lower that top so that it allows you more room to think, to create, to manipulate the next pieces coming down. And it makes it much actually, easier to see them. Yes. Yeah. So, so actually I'm sitting here. I love your I love your um I love the metaphor of Tetris because that used to be like my favorite game of all time. Oh, I love <laughs> I would Tetris. Stay up till three AM playing Tetris and I'm not a gamer. But I love that metaphor because um you know, what it says to me is life is going to throw uh, puzzle pieces at you, right? Always. I mean, that's just life. But if you spend a little time figuring it out, manipulating those pieces, they can actually help you and help you fill in holes and help you earn points like you're talking about by, by completing lines. Instead of your enemy, those, those little pieces are your friends. If you just take a, uh, a little bit of time to figure that out, I love that, Janice. That's awesome. Strategy becomes um, important. 
in the play of the game. Yes. Strategy becomes yes. important in the play of life. So setting your strategy, and that happens. Actually, strategy happens. It doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of people think that they can just let the drop the, the blocks fall, like they expect something to happen. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you'll mm-hmm. manipulate a block. You'll do your darndest to get it in the right place, and it doesn't go. And what happens when that happens is you've learned a lesson. Never take failure as the last step. Mm -hmm. So Janice, let's get practical then. That's a a great metaphor. So what would be, um, what are some of the strategies that you see that are, because you've worked with a lot of writers, you do editing, you do, uh, you, you provide all kinds of support services to people through your, um, through your work. And I'm wondering what kind of strategies do you see that are missing for a lot of people? I think the first one that you've already mentioned, which is many people write a book and they think, okay, I've written a book. Now the magical publishing business should occur. Or they say, I've written a book and I don't know where to go from here. And they actually stall themselves. Um, another thing, another number two thing I think that writers tend to do is uh, we're artists, we're creative. Any artist, any creative out there will know this. We're not so anal that we're going to maintain order at all times, okay? So we need to find a way to have a loose uh, way of organizing ourselves that doesn't feel like a straitjacket because that's one of our first excuses. We like to use clutter. And then we blame the clutter for our not being successful. And then we say, but I have to have clutter to be successful. So isn't that an interesting double negative? Well, yes. So, <laughs> on in. Anytime. Say more about that. Yeah, keep going on that. Say more about that. Well, I, when you begin to set your goals, when you begin to write down what it is, you know, some people don't even know what they really want. So you have to write down what you really think you want. Uh, For someone that may be, I want to be on the bestseller list and I want to have my book in everybody's hands across the world. For someone else, it may be, I want to help people who have suffered a certain illness to read my book and to benefit from that. For some people, it may be, I want my family to read my book and know who I am. I don't feel like they know me. So having that, First initial, what is it you really want? And then taking what you really want and saying, well, what would my perfect day be? You know, and sometimes those two ideas don't even coincide. Your perfect day may be to live in a small cottage on a lake where you can just go out and sit in a a lounge chair, and really all you want is just enough money to make a living. And, And it's not that important to you that you get out in our public and are out in the world and have to network with a bunch of people. You may just want to silently do your thing. There are other people who want to be tremendous successes, and those people are the ones that their planning is more strategic. um, They look at their goal, yes, this is what I want for my perfect day, but my perfect day also entails me taking the limo to the auditorium where I'm going to speak or me going to the stadium where I'm going to sing, or me writing my next book and having 
uh, being on the trail of book signings. So mm-hmm. everyone is, is different in what their goals are. So once they set those goals, and I, I know, Nikki, that you're, you, you've showed me so much, I will just share that with you, um, about setting goals and about how that you can't eat the elephant all at once, you know? You have to. Could uh, I say something? Uh, yeah, before, before you move on to that, I actually I'd like to piggyback off what you just said because it's so important. Um, you're talking about knowing what you really want. And I think a lot of the time what we tend to do is we tend to get caught up in the here and now and all the little urgent things around us that are begging for our attention, needing our attention right now. And we don't think about what it is we really ultimately want. And what you're saying is absolutely right on track. If we don't really think about what we ultimately want, we can take action today that, that doesn't get us anywhere near what, what we really would want. Yes, so it's absolutely. so important to have that big vision. Yeah, to have that big vision and then to figure out what do I do today to start heading me in that direction. So you're absolutely well, you, right. I just love that. Good good job. <laughs> well, you know, Albert Einstein, he said, if you want to live a happy life, you've got to tie it to a goal. Not to people or things, but that the other problem, this is going into our third issue that happens, is we look around at other people. And yes. we tend to grade ourselves based on their successes. I, you know, uh, everyone's life is different. And if you constantly grade yourself on what you see going on around you, like, oh, that person over there is selling a 1,000 books or they're sending out pallets of books and I'm only selling 10, then you're wasting your time. Now, observing them to learn what it is they're doing, that's different. But if you're constantly comparing yourself and saying, I don't know why this isn't happening for me. I'm doing everything I can. Well, maybe part of what you're doing, that you're considering everything you can, is envying them. And you need to to, uh, look at your case and, and focus a little bit more inward and decide what it is you really want because they may not, you know, if you actually talk to these people, and I've talked to many people, some very successful, uh, some not so successful, and you'll find out sometimes that even those that are most successful, they're not happy. They didn't know what they really yeah. wanted when they started. They didn't know where they really well, wanted to go. And now that they do, they're backing off from some of the success they've received in order to, and in order to be what I call the true definition of successful, which is happiness plus satisfaction. In order for them to, mm-hmm. to achieve happiness and satisfaction, they don't really want all of the decoration and all of the hoo-la-la that goes around them. They want to ha- be able to pull in for a while. And so that's well, their I, definition. Yeah, I think that's really, really important in what you're talking about with um, comparing ourselves to others, oh my gosh, that happens all the time. And what we, what we tend to do is we look at other people and we see their quote-unquote success, which may or may not be, as you, you're talking about. We, we get like shiny object syndrome 
or fear of missing out, FOMO or Absolutely. You know, whatever they call it. And, and we think that we want what they have when if we really looked at our big picture, we may not really want what they have at all. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's so that, again, it brings it back to really knowing what you want. And that, that helps take away some of that uh, tendency to compare um, but we, we do, we have to catch ourselves because we all, we all do that from time to time. Yeah, and that tendency compare, to compare goes into spiritual clutter. When you're talking about your mm-hmm. life being cluttered with things, and that's one of my second points I said is to get organized and to, to set goals, to, to look at what you really want, um, is that when you're, the physical clutter is oftentimes a way of covering and it's a way of covering that there's a million small things you need to do, but you're just not going to do them. You're ignoring them. Um, the the spiritual clutter it comes from looking at other people and saying, oh, you know, they're doing everything and they're having a great time and I'm not and I just don't understand and I'm doing everything I can. Well, you're wasting a lot of your time cluttering your own spirit with your own envy and jealousy or, or seeking the approval of someone else. Um, you know, they, they give you some advice, and it's maybe not even the right advice for you, and you know in your gut it's not the right advice, but you take it anyway. <laughs> um, right. So eliminating physical clutter, and more importantly, eliminating spiritual clutter, opening yourself up, it opens you up to the possibilities. It will increase your writing. It will uh, make your writing better. Um, when you have a specific time and place to write, your body likes discipline. It wants to go there. It wants to do things. And your body wants to give you the best that it has to give you. But you have to give your body the best, too. And so sometimes that means <clears throat> maybe someone else is doing something more. They're doing something that you, quote, call success. But look at yourself. Your success may not be the same as theirs. So, mm. so and I like what you're blue. saying about- uh, yeah, let yeah. me just say, I like what you're saying about discipline, and I cannot remember the exact quote, but Louis L'Amour um, it, it said something along the lines of, you know, the water doesn't flow until you turn on the faucet. And I just love that because if, if you're not showing up and you're not putting in the effort and you're not uh, showing up every day and decluttering and, and sitting down to write and developing that discipline, then how can you expect? back to produce creative work. So I just that, that came to my mind. I just wanted to mention um, just going back to, that out. Yeah. Going back to our Tetris game, uh, think about this. If all you did was sit there and watch the block fall and you just lo- you lose the game every time, after a <laughs> while, that gets pretty old. But when you begin to allow your mind to wrap around those blocks, to wrap around those obstacles, and to, to manipulate those obstacles, it gives you a sense of empowerment, number one. It, it gives you the ability to foresee in the future as things are happening, the chain reaction of them. You can live in total chaos, and there are people who do. But you will not be as, if you're successful, it will be that one-trick pony something exciting happened and I wrote a book and some great person happened to see it and then it happens to get 
exposure and then it's happenstance to get on the market and then maybe some great person happened to read it, you know, one out of the whatever. But there's 4 million books that go on the market every day. So the guy who's really going to win all the time is the one with the strategy, is the one who's going to eliminate the physical clutter, who's going to get organized. It doesn't take a lot of work to get organized. It takes you about 20 to 40 minutes a day. And, and I can show you how that works to start getting yourself organized and successful. So how many of us have 20 to 40 minutes a day? We we'd also hear we need to exercise. Well, are you doing that? Because that's part of your success, exercising the mind and the body. So what do you need for that? You need about 30 minutes a day. So what? we're up to an hour and a half right now, okay? So can you spend an hour and a half of your day, is what this amounts to, in creating something that will benefit you for a lifetime. That's what this amounts to. I'm really glad you said that because it's so funny because it's like we're just on the same brainwave here. Um, So many people tend to segment their creative work, like their writing time from their daily life, it seems like. So they, they think, well, when I get an hour where I can sit down and write, then that's what I'll do. But the thing is, um, it goes back to the, the water not flowing till the faucet's turned on. If you only have five minutes, you know, you can sit down and write, well, do that. And then things will start working out. I think what I tend to see is uh, the clutter that shows up in your life. Even if you start working on something that seems totally disconnected, from your writing, let's just say you've got your closet is a mess, okay? Go in and you clean up your closet. It's amazing how that frees up your mental energy for your creative work. Um, when all of these things are connected, your physical environment, your spiritual wellness, your emotional wellness, your, your you know, daily exercise, eating right, all of these things are connected and your creativity will benefit from taking the time to, you know, declutter your physical environment, for instance. <laughs> I've got to interrupt you here because I had the funniest thought. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you clean something up in your house, you know what happens immediately? It attracts everyone. Every, the cats go there. The dogs <laughs> go there. Your husband goes there. Everybody goes to the clean place. There's a reason for that. It feels good. Yes. And it feels good to be in the clean place. Um, Florence Nightingale said, you know, that uh, one of the keys to healing is a clean, well-lighted place. And one of the stipulations in nursing is that you go into the, the patient's room and you wipe down the room. It takes you, what, five minutes. You're wiping down the room. You say, I'm going to open your curtains. I'm going to let the light in here. And then you, you ask if there's anything they need for that day. Doing the same thing for yourself is healing to your spirit. It's healing to your mind. It opens you up for the day. And it's just so worth it. I mean, if I could get that across to any one person, it's the same as if you've ever worked out for 30 minutes. You actually feel better after you work out. And then you say, well, I hate working out. Well, but you actually feel better when you work out. 
So you have to you know what? get that mindset. Yeah, I love that. And you know what's coming up for me, actually? I'm, because I know there is someone out there listening that is going to be thinking this. They're going to think, oh, okay, so when I get my house completely clean and decluttered, then I can write. Then I can do my thing. And no, that's not no. what we're saying. What no. we're saying is start. Do something small. Start somewhere. And Absolutely. it's amazing how it, how it dominoes. But don't, don't let perfection take a hold on you. You know, it's, it's such um, it strangles you. It strangles your creativity. It strangles your yeah, life. Yeah, don't put yourself in a straitjacket. Yeah. Right. That's right. You know, the one thing you have to do, set realistic goals and stay focused on them. And by that I mean look at them in the morning and, and say, okay, this is where I, I, I would like to go. Um, how am I going to get there? You know, then get a calendar. And uh, this is just, you know what, everybody says, I'm such a free-flowing, I'm just spontaneous. Even spontaneous people need a calendar. If you have a doctor's appointment, if you have a speaking engagement, if you have uh, to travel somewhere, you need to have a calendar, whether it's on your smartphone, whether it's on the computer, whether it's uh, in paper form. I like both a paper form and my smartphone. And keep that calendar available next to you and use it. Use it religiously because one of the major keys to your success is your reliability and your time usage. Just like in playing Tetris, you've got to see those blocks coming. You've got to have the time to manipulate them. And the, and the less you manipulate them, the higher the the thing builds, and then eventually your game is over. So if you want to keep playing longer, you need to be able to look a little bit ahead. So keep in the calendar. And then have, you know, in the morning, I was saying you know, for an hour and a half a day. Well, in the morning, just have a short business meeting with yourself. Uh, keep a notebook by your side when you're working during the day and write down things that, you, that you've done that day and things that it brings to mind, that it tickles your mind that you need to do tomorrow or that you need to do to complete an action. Um, so I keep a list of what I've got done. I call it my brain notebook and what I still need to do. And then I remind myself of what I still needs doing. And then I look at that and prioritize it for me. That takes very little time to really do that. And it leads me to number four, which is to prioritize your priorities because you're going to find out there's a lot of things. When, when you begin to declutter, when you begin to organize your office, when you begin, as you set that as a goal, you're going to discover that underneath the clutter, there's a lot of things, things that need to be filed, things that need to be tossed, uh, voicemails that need to be answered, maybe bills that were hiding underneath your clutter. Those need to be paid or handled. So all of these things, you're going to find those, and you're going to be able to prioritize them and say, I've got to do this today. It may not be what I want to do today, but I've got to do this one today. And then... You want to always prioritize and block out your time for your writing and your creative time mm-hmm. and block out time for yourself. And yes, part of the actually, time for yourself that... involves your personal health. And then last of all, so you're taking that first 20 minutes of your day to do that short business meeting with yourself, okay? And then throughout the day, you're just kind of checking and saying, okay, I've got to jump to number 10 because number 10 is now the priority. <laughs> and then... Uh, oftentimes you're going to get off task, and that's okay. Um, as a as a gift to myself, I go ahead and write down 
things I got done that day, even the things that were off task, and I put a little check mark on so I can see that I did something with my day. Um, you don't have to be that anal, but I like it because it makes me feel good. <laughs> my day. Okay, so before, uh, actually, I, I, I want to spend a little more time on that point, but before we move on to that, I want to um, mention a couple of things about what you just said with the calendar and prioritization. Mm-hmm. Because um, I t- we really are in the same brainwave. I totally agree. You need to make time. Set an appointment, whatever it takes. Make time for your own self-care, whether that Give is um, getting your yes, getting your hair done, getting your nails done, you know, taking a bubble bath, reading, whatever that is for you. Make time for that because I guarantee you, if you don't make time for it, it's not going to happen. And the other part of that is setting um, setting standards for yourself, like so what are your hours going to be for the day? Don't just let your work determine your hours that you're going to spend because work expands to fill the time allotted, but set hours for yourself each day. Set those boundaries for yourself and for other people, you know, to let them know, okay, these are the hours I'm available, these are the hours that I'm not available. Um, All of those things are really important to not only put... Yeah, hang on, just to, to not only um, make you more productive, to also give you the right mindset of taking yourself and your creative work and, and your life seriously. Now, you're, um, you're, you're saying something so important right there because many of yeah. the people that I work with, um, including I'm, and I'm guilty, um, we will say like, well, I can't find a private place to go. I can't find a time to work. I can't. Uh, everyone always interrupts me. I have kids and a husband. And mm-hmm. How am I supposed right. to do this? You know, what do I have to do? Get up at two in the morning? Well, finding that time and then setting those parameters and asking for the support of those around you is almost imperative. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I'll mean, be honest with you, and this is not a plug for me, but. I do want to let people know that that is where working with a coach can be really helpful because we all get into um, habits and patterns of behavior. We don't even recognize what we're doing. But sometimes when we can work with someone else that can point out, hey, you know, look, this is the pattern I'm seeing coming up for you here. It can be really a revelation as to what we're doing, and then we can make a powerful choice about what we're going to do about that, if anything, if we choose to. Um, but it, sometimes we don't see those patterns unless they're reflected back to us. So it's, it is really important, um, maybe even working with a friend or but a, a coach is trained to do that, but you know, even just kind of visiting with a friend and letting them know what's going on and, and giving each other permission to share what they see coming up uh, you know, to communicate about those things, that can be really, really helpful. Absolutely, so absolutely. And, you know, um, I also want to bring this to the table. I have a uh, relative who is blind. She is 92 years old, and she is the most active individual I know. She's gone to Alaska on a cruise. I asked her if she saw whales. She said they were big black blobs. She did see some. Um that's about as good as she can see, okay? She gets up every day and she she walks around 
without the use of a cane. She does not have a, a seeing eye dog. She uh, walks around every day, and then she gets up, and she takes a view of her day in which she says, I will do one task today. The last time that I visited with her, she had a white pair of pants hung on the closet door, and she looked at me and she said, do you see those white pants on the closet door? And I said, yes. And she said, I am going to hem them up one and a half inches today. That is my goal. And she said, I may not be able to see, but I can feel one and a half inches. And she said, and if I don't complete that goal today, I'm not mad at myself because I have tomorrow. So setting something, doing something is better than doing nothing. And like Benjamin Franklin said, one uh, minute's worth of planning gains you an hour. So if you say you don't have time, take the one minute and do something to organize, something to start, the first small step, and you're going to be able to save yourself time. Yeah, you're so right. That whole we don't have time, that is such a lie. Uh, We tell ourselves that all the time. And the truth is we're wasting more time because we don't stop and and make choices about what we're going to do with our time. So uh, I just want to put that out there. But I really want to get back to what you were talking about a minute ago. You were talking about um, putting something on your list and scratching it off. And that brings me to the point of rewarding ourselves, really celebrating small victories. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely. You know, pat yourself on the back. Don't expect everyone else to. Because not everyone else is going to recognize all that you did today. When you walk out and someone says to you, their goals for you may be bigger than your goals. They may say, well, how many words did you get done? And you'll say, well, only 500. And they'll say, well, you should have done better than that. You should be more disciplined. Don't let that get you. If you can look on your list and see things that you've done today that made progress for you, that brought you closer to your happiness and your satisfaction, then, wow, pat yourself on the back. I mean, absolutely. Um, who, yeah. This is going to sound like an odd analogy, but who is the greater among us, a janitor or the president of the United States? Okay? A janitor, he does his job all day. And so he works in a church. And on Sunday when we go to the church, we take it for granted, all that has been done to make that place wonderful for us. But does that mean he's less successful than the president of the United States? No. See, the President of the United States goes to work every day to make the country more safe for us. So when you look at those two things and you try to weigh one against the other in terms of happiness and success and satisfaction, the janitor's satisfaction comes in making things better. The President's satisfaction comes in creating better. So... No matter what your, don't think because you seem a level lower than someone else that you cannot be mm-hmm. consider yourself as successful somewhere else. I think we, someone else, right. we, we, we tend to compare ourselves in occupation. Oh, I have to have a college degree. I know people who have no college degree 
and have become multimillionaires. Um, or I have to have, you know, I have to speak two languages. That is not always true to obtain success mm-hmm. and to obtain a life that's a happy life for you. I just, I think a lot of people run around looking for a happy life and, and, uh, and they, they're, you know, they're unhappy. I think we have greater depression mm-hmm. in this country than we've ever had before because the people are searching for something. They're snuffling along looking for the easy answer when well, if they would just also, see but, what their needs are. Right. And that does go back to comparing ourselves to each other, but also I think some of that, Janice, does go, it speaks to not celebrating our victories, not you know, and maybe it goes back to gratitude, gratitude even. Like, you know, so we got 500 words today and maybe we would have liked to get 1,000 done. Be happy about the five. Hey, I got 500 done. That's awesome, right? And not that you're like, what is it, a Pollyanna attitude or whatever. It, not that you're just, oh, everything's good and everything's great all the time. But it, it's a true, deep, at your core gratitude for what you have, what you've accomplished, and stopping, taking a look at that and really acknowledging, hey, I did this. Because we don't take enough time to do that. We really do not take enough time to celebrate small victories. And that's what partly leaves us feeling dissatisfied and, and, you know, kind of aggravated all the time because we don't stop to acknowledge what we've done. And see, I hear people all the time who come to writing groups and they're new to the writing group and they become intimidated or, or they say, well, everyone here is published and I've never published anything and, and I don't know where to go from here. And, and then they quit coming because they feel like that, that they're not the achievers they need to be. And that's not what it's all about. It's, it's learning for the journey to be your own hero like we talked about earlier. It's, it's coming to the meeting and listening and learning because, and I'll tell you what you're going to find out, nine times out of ten, the other people at the meeting, they don't know everything either. You may think they or, do, but they don't. Or they're dealing with the same stuff you are. are they you know that with, we all face the same, same problems. Right. So that's I, that really, really I'm... Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> that's one thing that I really wanted to bring up today is the lone wolf attitude because that is something I have personally really struggled with uh, much of my life is thinking I have to do it all myself. I've got to, you know, I have just was very kind of isolated myself and thinking, okay, you know, I've got to do it. it I, I don't know why, but there's a lot to that. And I think a lot of people do have that the attitude that they're so special or unique or whatever that they have to do it all themselves, well, it's not true. We we all can help each other by collaborating, by sharing our victories and our struggles, supporting each other along the journey. And I, I have really started... Um, living that more and collaborating more with people. And it's so much more fun. The journey is so much more fun when you 
don't feel like you're the only one that has the answers or you're the only one that can do it right or you're the only one, you know, you've got to handle your own problems. I'm all for personal responsibility, but I'm also very um, aware of how collaborating with others, like you were talking about coming to the writing group. You know, if you're coming to the writing group and you're on top of the world right now and you have a lot of success, then mm-hmm. others in that group need you there, right? Because they need your, your motivation and your inspiration and your story. If you're, on, if you're under the eight ball, you know, and you're behind the eight ball and you're struggling, then you need to be at the group. So no matter where you're at, you need to be around other people who can support your creativity and support you and, and lift you up and help you realize you're not alone. So you know, that goes all of that fellowship. Just, that goes for yeah, fellowship go in all of your activities. If you like yes. if you're a rock hound and you like to collect rocks, it's it's fun right. to collect rocks. But you know what's more fun than collecting rocks? It's getting together with a bunch of other people who have been collecting rocks and looking at your rocks mm-hmm. and their rocks and everybody com- you know, talking about, Oh, I found this in a cave. I mean you can hold all that to yourself. You can always hold all mm-hmm. it to yourself. And you'll never be right. truly happy because You'll just right. be selfish and lonely. But when, mm-hmm. you, when you go to that meeting, when you go to the place where there are the people, say daylilies that grow flowers, or artists that paint landscapes, or singers that write music, and you go meet and fellowship with them, people of like heart, then one thing is it spurs learning. The second thing is it spurs creativity. The third thing is it brings the greatest joy when you network, because as you get to know each of these people, everyone has a story. Everyone has something interesting that they can, uh, you can take in and learn from their lives. And so just like the rock hound, you know, it, it'd be a real bummer if you found a great fossil and never told anyone about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you could hold on to that snail shell forever, that imprint, but it's so much more fun when you can take it, if when you were a kid, if you could take it to school and say, look, I found this. Or when you're an adult, if you can take it to the group and set it down in the middle and say, what does everyone know about this? Mm-hmm. That is so important, especially for writers. It's very important. Um, and this is going to step off for a second and chase a rabbit, so here he goes. Hop off. Um, to, for writers, research and creativity go together. In other terms, as a writer, you owe yourself permission to go out and experience some things. Uh, One example is recently I was writing about some ghost hunters, and so I've never been on a ghost hunt. I've watched all the ghost hunt shows on TV. So I went on an actual ghost hunt and saw the reactions of the people involved in ghost hunting. I experienced what the tools feel like in your hand. I got to play with those tools. I looked for a ghost. We thought we found one. People took photographs. It was something that had I not gone, had I not gotten involved, there are so many parts that would have been missing in the story about these people because I would have been going on a stereotype of what I'd seen on TV. And I would have missed the emotion, the heightened awareness, the hope, all of the things that someone who's hunting for a ghost 
are going ghost hunting, looking, what's going on in their mind. Mm-hmm. That so is you what immerse, your you immerse world. yourself. You immerse yourself in that experience. And then so that helped you to be able to express through your writing more authentically then. Right, but if you say to yourself and you're an island, you can go to the Internet. You can look at everything on the Internet. I mean, mm-hmm. there is nothing any more than a secret on the Internet. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, and I do at times research on the Internet. But, boy, wouldn't it be more wonderful than to watch Ireland on the Internet, to go to Ireland if you could? And wouldn't it be even more wonderful than that, that you could afford to go to Ireland if you wanted to, if you could? Mm-hmm. So where, where is what you want at? And where are you going and how are you going to get it? Again, coming back to the first thing that Nikki said, being the hero of your own journey. You know, you're writing your own story right now. While we're sitting here, we're just talking back and forth. But you're sitting here listening to us, and you're writing your own story right now. Where where are you going to go? What are you going to do today? Who are you going to meet today? You know, what ideas are you going to work on today? Um, What's your character yeah, going to do today in your book? You know, and, and it's so, your choice. It's your choice. I think that's the thing for me is instead of living on instead of living on autopilot and letting our external circumstances and what everybody else thinks we should do take control of our day, we get to decide. We really do. We have a choice about how we're going to spend our time, who we're going to spend it with, what we're going to write about, when we're going to write, all of those things. You know, maybe there's some things you don't have control over, but there are many, many things you do. And so making those choices is really, and acknowledging that you have those choices to make is really empowering. Yeah, and the the one thing I want to leave you with today, we're really getting close to the end of our, our time, but is that when you begin this journey of, we called it organization, which most people out there who are creatives are going, oh, no, not organization. But when you begin this journey, taking one step at a time, looking a little bit more forward, making strategic moves, uh, balancing your foundation out, taking time to prioritize, it sounds like a lot, but I'm telling you, about an hour and a half of your day, you can do a mountain of work. And so when you finish your day, as we were talking about the, the six things, you want to make sure you clean up your workspace so you have it ready for tomorrow. That is giving yourself a gift of an hour or two to, to have more time to get your writing done and to feel more free so that you can leave the house and go out and do the research so that you can be successful and feel good. Um, File away the things you don't need. Take action on things that are required. And you know why? Because you've always been able to work. Some people say they've always been able to work in clutter just fine. But if you really sat down with them, you might find out they don't get as much done. But the reason to do this is to be able to efficiently deal with crises, emergencies, and many other unexpected things. You can't control uh, some things, but you can be on top of some 
by simply controlling a few. And you owe it to yourself to always be the best you can be, like we were talking about. Take care of yourself physically. Give yourself the gift of time. Give yourself the gift of organization. Give yourself the gift of laughter and spiritual health. And uh, if I could wish anything for you today, that's what I would wish, that your success, your journey to being a hero would begin today with a small, few small steps. Doesn't take forever. Not always easy, but it's well worth the journey. Thanks yeah. for having me on, Nikki. Oh, very good. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed listening to our little uh, conversation today, and we want to encourage you if there are any questions you have for the publishing mercenary, Janice Ernest, or for me, Nikki Brown, life coach for writers and creatives, um, please contact us. Uh, our, our contact information is at the beginning of the recording, but real quickly, Janice, what's your e- what is your um, website again, just real quickly? You can easily reach my website at www.janice, J-A-N-I-C-E, Ernest, E-R-N-E-S-T, at, oh, excuse me, not at, dot com. (laughs) And you can reach my email at janiceernest1 at gmail.com. I'd be more than happy to visit with you to learn more about you and what you're doing and your plans. I know Nikki also would also be interested. And her information is? Yeah, uh, you are welcome to come to my website at coach, C-O-A-C-H, Nikki B. That's N-I-K-K-I-B dot com. So coachnikkib.com. And there's a contact form there to email me or you can find out whatever other information you want. Janice and I are going to be um, collaborating on some cool things coming up in the future. And we would both love to help you, work with you in whatever way you need. So shoot us any questions or comments you have. If there's a a topic that you would like to see either one of us or both of us address on our blog, uh, let us know that. And we are just so glad that you've joined us today. So thank you. And thank you so much, Janice. I appreciate your time. Well, you're welcome. And I just wanted to ask everybody out there, if you're setting goals right now, share them with us. Uh, let us know yeah. what you're up to because it always helps to have helps to have someone on your team. And we're here to be on yeah, your team. That's cool. Very cool. 